Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. If you are joining us today we are start we are in a series entitled when god calls you out when god calls you out and 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 when i say that i'm not speaking about your individual calling i'm speaking of the the the, the universal calling that god has on each and every one of us who identifies ourselves as Christians. There's a commonality, there's a certain calling that each and every one of us who says they are a Christian, God has called us to. And so over these past few weeks, we've talked about how God has called us to be servants and how he's called us to be generous and how he's called us uh, uh, to to, to do so many things. But today we're going to focus on how Jesus, how God has called each of us to love how he has called us to love. If I may put this out there and suggest this, I think that is the overarching cause and purpose for every single person that's Christian. In other words, if we don't do the other things we're called to do, we need to nail this one. If we miss out on the other things that God has called us to do, if we skip generosity, we need to nail love. If we miss out on those other things, if we, if we skip the servanthood, we need to nail love. You see, our Jesus came here on earth to be a great model of what it means to love. And today we are going to talk about that. Let us usher in the spirit of God in prayer. Eternal and gracious God in heaven, we first and foremost thank you. God, we thank you for yet another opportunity to come come before your throne with gratitude and thanksgiving in our heart. God, we understand that, uh, uh, you know, we didn't have to be here today, but God, you saw it fit. So that means there's work for us to do. Oh, God, I have only one request, and that request today is that you bless this place from center to circumference. So that when we leave this place, we can say that we had a great time. Not because the message was that wonderful, not because worship was outstanding, but because we had a real encounter with you today. Oh, God, I move out of the way and make complete room for you, and I thank you for the license and permission to share your word. I pray that I represent it with pure authenticity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're talking about love. And I heard once a story about a man who was crossing the street. And while he was crossing the street, he was hit by a car. And his, this accident caused him to have severe brain trauma. And he was hospitalized in a coma for several days. When he came out of the coma and opened his eyes, his wife was there, as beautiful as she's always been. And he began to tear up. And he says, when I was in 
the university studying and struggling through my subject matter and at times having to retake tests, you were there for me. And she gripped his hand and he laid in the bed. And he says, and then after I finally graduated and I began to apply for jobs and and was turned down time after time, still with tears in his eyes, you were there for me. And his wife is looking at him and now she's weeping like, oh, And he says, then when I finally got the job with a little firm, I was doing okay. I actually earned my way up to my own contract. But then I made one small mistake and they fired me. And my love, now he's weeping uncontrollably. You were there for me. And he says, now here I am. I have this accident. And I wake up. And you were there for me yet again. And at this point, the wife is just filled with love and emotion, and she throws herself on the bedside of her husband, weeping uncontrollably. He says, but I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. I think you bring me bad luck. (laughs) Y'all thought it was one of those kind of love stories, didn't you? I don't tell jokes often, but I figured... Today would be a good time to just kind of share one with you. Uh, y'all were like on the edge. Y'all see like, oh, you know, like it was a soap opera or something. That's not the type of love we're going to talk about today. No, my brothers and sisters, we're not going to talk about that relational love between a husband and wife. We're not going to talk about that, 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 that love between a, a brothers and sisters. No, we're going to talk about Christian love and, and, and what God wants us to do. If you have your notes in front of you, there are just a couple scriptures we're going to really focus and draw our attention on. If you're taking notes uh, uh, and you need a pen, let me know. We'll get one in your hands immediately. We need a pen up here, please, up front. Anybody else need a pen? Let us know. We'll take care of that right away. Uh, We're going to be coming from the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 37 through 40. The words say this, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? This is one of these smart religious folk trying to trip Jesus up. Now, we understand that according to the law, there were only really two, I mean, ten real laws that we were required to follow. But then these religious folk came up and started making up some stuff and adding all this stuff to it. So there were really only ten, but then the religious folk started adding one to it. And Jesus, being as smart and wise and, and perfect as he is, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now, I can imagine this smart Pharisee sitting there like, oh, oh, yeah, okay, okay, you got that. But Jesus went further. He says, but a second one before you ask me another question, oh, wise fool. Uh, And before you ask me another one, let me give you something else to think about and chew on for a little bit. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, Jesus takes these commandments from the Old Testament. The first one comes right out of the book of Deuteronomy, and the, and the second one he pulls right out of the book of Leviticus, the same books that these wise men are reading. He pulls it right from them to trip them up. I want to share with you today the order of love. When we as Christians uh, exhibit real love, 
It should be in this order. The first one is, if you are taking notes, is you need to love God first. God first. The second one I want to offer to you is yourself. Now, let me, let me explain yourself. We're not speaking in terms of arrogance or conceit. Some people just got excited when I said they're like, oh, I get to be conceited. I get to be all willing. I get to be all nose in the air. He's giving me permission. No, pastor is not giving you permission to be stuck up and snooty. But you have to love yourself. And when I say love yourself, I'm not talking about you, the individual only. We're talking about the extension. We're talking about your family, your wife, your children. You love your neighbor. Extension of that. Love yourself. And I'm going to get to why it's so important to love yourself in just a minute. The third thing I want to offer is love each other. Love each other. Love each other. Who is each other? Who is your neighbor? Everyone you come into contact with. Every single person you come into contact with. Love them. Love them. Love them. First Corinthians 13, 1 through 3 says this. If you're taking notes, it's in there. It says, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels. That's deep. If I can speak every single language that we know exists on the earth and every single dialect and then extend it further and also speak the languages that are in heaven, which I've not even heard of. If I could do all of these things and speak all of these languages, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could really move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Y'all know what's so wonderful about this scripture? He is giving you a real example of somebody who did everything he talked about. Paul is telling you, if I was just like Jesus but didn't do the love part, then my life is meaningless. Everything he mentioned, we know a great man who did that, who gave his body as a sacrifice, who who gave to the poor, who did all of those things. But the most important thing that Jesus did was L-O-V-E, love. And here Paul is saying, if I do all of these things, if I had this great wisdom and could speak all of these languages and didn't love, everything was meaningless. Me giving to the poor was just a great photo opportunity. Come on now. Me me doing all of this other stuff for people was just so I can have bragging rights. So somebody could dap me up and say, way to go. But if I didn't genuinely, authentically love, it was meaningless. It meant nothing. You don't get a check in the book saying, oh, well done. You just get some earthly gratitude, which is nothing. I'd like to share with you all and offer this as a fact. You can disagree if you want, but I I know it's a fact. Love is an action word. Love is an action word. Love is more than warm feelings on the inside. That's part of love. That's part of it, a small part of it. Love is an attitude revealed through action. Love is an attitude revealed through action. 
I remember back in the days when I was a knucklehead learning how to be married, making mistakes. I'm like, but baby, I love you. Your actions don't match up to your love. You just said, son. And my wife would call me that, you know, because I was little to her. I was telling the sister earlier, you know, we have four kids. She says, no, five. And I was like, you're right. I'm the firstborn. Sister Wilma over here. Amen. Your actions, how will they know? How, do, how would my wife know that I really was uh, uh, apologetic for what I did or that I really loved her? I would have to do something. That doesn't mean go get a bunch of flowers because she hates flowers. It doesn't mean rubbing her feet because she's ticklish. It doesn't mean that. It means loving her at her language where she is. And it's the same thing with your neighbors. It's the same thing with your, your spouse. It's the same thing with your coworkers. It's the same thing with your friends. It's the same thing with everybody you come into contact with. Your actions speak louder than your words. And I share so many stories. I shared last week about the sister over here at the post office who, tell, who, who just happened to hear that I was a pastor because I was doing a, a transaction. And she says, I heard that you're a preacher. I don't know why they won't say pastor. You know, they, they always say preacher. I said, well, that's one of the things I do as a pastor. I preach. And she says, can you pray for my husband who had just had brain surgery and he, would have, he was in recovery and he came, then he, uh, he came out, but then he got a fever and they had to put him back in ICU. And I said, yes. And she gave me his name or whatever, told me the hospital he was in. So I was like, okay, she's in my community. How can I really show her I love her? Well, I went to the hospital. And here it is. Here I come in this the young African-American man asking for this elderly Caucasian brother, and they're like, who are you? And I was like, I'm his pastor. <laughs> no, real talk, I am his pastor. I call his wife. I just talk with him, you know, and I went and prayed. This man probably never knows I was in his presence, but that's how you exhibit real love. You do. I could have easily said, yeah, I'll be praying for you. And by the time I got to my car, I would have got a phone call or a text message that would have just simply distracted me and, and, and totally took, took, took me off course. I could have easily got in my car and went home and my wife would have said, hey, pick up some eggs on the way home. By the time the end of the day came, I forgot all about this gentleman. But I knew the importance of it. I knew how much my prayer, her request for me to pray for her, how much it mattered to her. I knew that it would make a difference if I just did it. I didn't go back and try to find the lady and says, hey, I went to the hospital to pray for your husband. I don't care. Did he see it? Yep. Did he dap me? Bam. Spiritual high five. We in it. We in it. How do we demonstrate love? I got three points for you, and then we're going to be Moving on to the next part of our service. Three points, three points. How do we demonstrate love? The first thing you must do is obey God's commandments. Obey God's commandments. This is not coming from the book of St. Broderick. No, this is right out of, of the Bible that you and I both read. It comes right out of 1 John 5, 3. Now, in case you didn't know, John was actually one of the cats that hung out with you. So he knew him personally. He's got his own chapter in the book. And this is what he says. He says, loving God, 1 John 5 and 3 says, loving God means keeping his commandments. And this is the best part of love. And his commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are not burdensome. Here, here, here's, what, here's what this means. Watch this. Jesus said this too in John 14, 23, 24. And I want to tell you what this means. Even Jesus said this. Watch this. Jesus replied, all who love me, this is how we demonstrate it. 
All who love me will do what I say. My father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each, with, with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. Jesus is saying, these are not even my own words. What I am telling you is from who? The Father who sent me. Here's the word we're going to dive and focus all of our attentions on. You ready? That word, obey. That word, obey. When I hear obey, sometimes it just, you know, many of us, when we hear obey, I, I, I do weddings and people say when, when, when we're doing the, 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 uh, the, the vows, take out obey. I ain't obeying nobody. Remove obey. I said keep it. When we had ours, I said keep it. Because we look at the word obey as restrictive. When we see that word, it has such a negative connotation to our small carnal minds, but it's so beautiful. The thing of the matter, the truth of the matter is we all obey somebody every single day. How many of you are employed? Yeah, okay. So you obey the rules that are at your job. Okay. How many of you own a house? Yeah, you obey the rules of your mortgage company or, if you, or you obey the rules of your landlord. Huh? Come on, I can keep going. How many of you in school, you obey the rules of the school? You obey somebody. Why not obey the king of kings and the Lord of lords? Why not obey somebody who can give you way more than your, pro, uh, than your employer can give you? Why not obey the man who makes the plan and could make sure that you get your way up there? Huh? We obey so many things, but when it comes to certain things, this, this word obey is tough. Do me a favor if you're writing on the side. This is not in your notes, but we're going to do something here. I want to show you something. Write down on the side there or on the back, wherever you can find some empty space, write down this word, obedient. Write down obedient, O-B-E-D-I-E-N-T. I see you watch me, Sam. I spelled it right. Sam is in the legal field, so he checks and stuff like that. Obedient. You got that word written down? What three letters are in the middle of that word? D-I-E. What does that spell? In order to be obedient, you have to die to some of your own earthly and selfish thoughts. In order to be obedient, right in the word of, in the middle of the word obedient is die. You have to die to what you thought the word obedient used to mean. You have to die to what you thought the word obey meant. It doesn't mean I need to be submissive in the negative connotation. It means that I need to move out of the way and let God do something. Die to my own selfish thoughts. Die to my own thought of this. Do y'all know what it means to be obedient? It means following rules. Simple. Now, rules are designed not to restrict you. They're designed to protect you. For instance, I have rules in my house for my kids. You got to go to bed at a certain time. Oh, man, that sucks. But guess what? If you get a full eight hours of sleep, you're more prepared to learn and hear what the teacher has to say. We have to eat dinner together at certain times. Why? Because you need to understand the importance of family. Huh? No running in the street. Why? Well, you get hit by a car. Duh. You can cheer for any basketball team you want, as long as it's the New York Knicks. Anyone, as long as it's the Knicks. 
was a rule you have to follow. And that one could, you know, you might not eat. So if you see one of my kids malnourished and high water clothes, they don't have no new clothes. That's the one that didn't follow the rules. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Anybody work for DFACS? Y'all ain't going to do nothing no way, so. <laughs> anyway, moving on. You have to die to what you thought obedience means. And I think once you die mentally and realize that obey doesn't mean it's restricting me, there's some benefits if I just follow the rules. 55 miles per hour. Oh, man, that's too slow. Go ahead and go 75. Bam, you're the first one to rear end somebody. Hmm? Rules are set to protect us. There are benefits when we follow them. There are benefits to, our, to the rules. There are benefits. For instance, like I shared with you about when, I, when we have to go for dinner and, and reading the Bible. That's another rule in my house. You have to read your Bible. I had this discussion with my son this morning, my oldest. He's always the one that gives me the most slack. I said, man, when was the last time you read your Bible? Well, the battery on the Kindle died. You do realize I'm a pastor. And if you go in that room right there or that room right there and that one there, there are Bibles all over this place. Take your pick. Which, which, tell you what, which translation do you want? Huh? Come on now. You going because the Kindle died? Our kids are so attached to modern technology, the Kindle ain't working. I said, I'll tell you what, take my dog on cell phone, go to you version. There's a Bible everywhere you go, son. No excuse. I, I, I tell you what, when, I, when it comes time to play that 3DS, you find your charger. Huh? All right, I'm, I'm preaching to the wrong crowd this morning. I'm preaching to the wrong crowd this morning. No offense, young people. We do have children's church, but y'all parents made y'all stay, so y'all got to hear this, all right? <laughs> Amen. Obey is the first thing. This is how we demonstrate our love for one another. We have to obey the commandments that God has set for us. You know, a real example of perfect obedience, may I share that with you? It's in John. You find it in the book of John, chapter 14, 31. This is Jesus, the Son of God, sent here on earth for us. Jesus says this. He says, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. In other words, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to do this little thing that the young folk do. Oh. I'm not going to get beside myself. I'm not going to get upset. I am going to do what my father requires of me. Jesus is saying this. And the same thing goes for every single one of us who identifies ourselves as Christians. We must do what is required of us. And what is required of us is to follow the commandments that God has set in place and realize it's not restrictive but beneficial. Second point, in order to demonstrate love, we must live out our true identity. Live out our true identity. Another way of saying that loosely is love yourself. Well, what do you mean by love yourself? Love who you are. Well, well, who am I? Well, I can tell you just a few things. You are, uh, if you're a Christian, the Bible says you're a new creation according to 2 Corinthians. Uh, it also says if you are a Christian, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation according to uh, 1 Peter. If you are a Christian, it says that you are Christ 
God's workmanship, according to Ephesians 2. Uh, it also says that you are branches connected to this great vine called Jesus. I can tell you a little bit more, but I don't think I have a whole lot of time, but I'll just break it down and say you are salt and light of the earth. Come on now. You are also sons and daughters. Here's the best part. You are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. You are joint heirs. In other words, what Jesus had access to, I do too, because I too am a son or a daughter. This is not from the holy book of Broderick. It's in the Bible. I didn't make this up on the fly. I read the Bible, and the Bible told me to say this. It's in there. It's in the Bible. Jesus said this in the Bible. He says, love your neighbor as yourself, right? It's one of the great commandments of the law. Y'all know he came back in John 13. He says, wait a minute. I just realized these yahoos might not love themselves. They bicker amongst each other every now and again. They got some real issues going on in their lives. So let let, let me offer something else. (laughs) Let let me offer something else because I have a feeling that they're going to mess some things up. So Jesus came back and he says um, in John 13, 34, 35, he told me, he says, wait a minute. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. No longer love your neighbor as yourself. If I wake up today and I'm kind of mad, it's going to be kind of hard for me to show that love to my neighbor. If I wake up this morning and I try to turn the lights on there and they're off, (laughs) yeah, loving my neighbor becomes a whole lot more challenging. If I get to work and, I, and the boss says, hey, I need to see you, and I know I haven't done nothing extraordinary for him to want to see me, yeah, it's hard for me to kind of high-five my neighbor saying, keep on going. It's hard for me to pray for my neighbor because right now I'm worried about my ish, my stuff, my situation, my circumstances. So Jesus said, you know what? Let me flip this just a little bit. And this was probably one of the most revolutionary things Jesus did. He took what they were familiar with, what they knew, which was Old Testament, from Deuteronomy and Leviticus. He took that. He said, let me add something. Y'all remember what I've done for y'all? Because let me tell you what happened just a few scriptures before that. He took his disciples, filled up a basin, got down on his knees with his robe, and washed all of their cruddy feet as an example of servanthood and love. And he says, now, don't just think about what I just did. Think about how I loved you, how I took care of you, how I protected you. You didn't even have to ask for it. I just did it. You didn't do anything special for it. I just did it. I gave you supernatural power that you didn't even know you had in you. And then that same way that I loved you, that's how I expect you to love each other. No longer love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love them better than that. Love them the way Christ loves you. A new commandment. Come on now. Love them the way Christ loved you. Here's the third point, and we're done. How do we demonstrate real love? By performing authentic love toward each other. Well, what's the difference, man? That's like saying the same thing. No, it's not. Authentic love requires actions. I could say all day to everybody in here, I love you, I love you, I love you. If I haven't called you throughout the week to say, man, how's you going? If you tell me something personal about you and then I haven't called you to follow up to say, man, how did it go? I don't love you. 
if you tell me, man, I got some issues in my life, man, and, 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 you know, I'm trying to get this promotion, and I feel, you know, that I have a good shot at it, man, can you pray for me? And I said, man, I'll pray for you. I got you, man. I'm going to put that on my list. And I don't pray for you in that moment authentically. I don't love you. I'm giving you lip service. How do we demonstrate this? Simple. The same way Jesus did, sacrificially, selflessly, it's the most important part, intentionally. What does intentionally mean, Pastor? On purpose, making it a priority, being proactive, not reactive. In other words, if I hear my brother or sister has a need, I'm the first responder, and I'm mad if I'm not. I'm mad if somebody beat me to the point, to the punch, to to, to do something good for you. I'm disappointed if I'm not a first responder intentionally. There are four things you could do. What does this all mean? The first thing, by helping when it's not convenient. Helping when it's not convenient. You know, a great illustration of that was the parable that Jesus told about the Good Samaritan. You know, the Good Samaritan was on his way to do whatever he had to do, and he came across his brother who had gotten beaten down and robbed, right? A priest and another holy man walked past this dude. Matter of fact, they crossed the street. But the good Samaritan saw this guy who's on his way to do something, but he saw this person. He says, whatever I'm getting ready to do is not as important as this brother who's hurt, beat down right here. It's not convenient, but I'm going to do it because it's the right thing to do. It don't mean I'm going to get a pass in the glory. It doesn't mean, I may not even mean I get a high five or dap from my neighbor, but it's the right thing to do. And whatever else I was going to, it'll be there. It'll be there. It's serving, it's doing, it's helping others when it's not convenient. The second point is giving when it hurts. Giving when it hurts. Giving when it hurts. Oh, man, that's a tough one, right? It gets quiet when we talk about that part of Scripture, but it's only Scripture. It's not Broderick. It's just Scripture. Giving when it hurts. You know somebody has a need. You know your burden. There's something on the inside of you. You want to do something. But you look at your bank account, and you got more month than money. So it's like, well, I'll help them on the next time. I'll help out on the next one. I'll, 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 I'll just do, instead of saying, what can I do? What can I do? You know what? I don't have any money, but I tell you what, I know somebody that might have some money that could get you to where you need to get. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have much food, but I tell you what, I got a full loaf of bread right here. Tell you what, we're going to split this down the middle. And both of us will eat peanut butter and jelly. It means giving when it hurts. I've had to do that. I have a large family. I got four kids, five if you count me. And there's been times where siblings didn't have anything to eat. And I got a big family, and my siblings have one, two children. So I go into the cupboard, and what do we do? And my wife looks, she says, it's okay. Like, man, give, give her that, 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 give her that. We'll trust God to re, re, restock us. And guess what happens? He gives us way more than we have, way more, way more. Everything we gave away, he like, okay, cool, let me give you some more. You gave away flank steak, I'm going to give you some filet mignon. Huh? You gave away shrimp. Let me give you some lobster tail. Huh? That's just an example. I'm not saying he really gave us that. We don't really eat that. But I'm just saying how he increases. Huh? You gave away pork. He gave. All right, let me stop. I don't eat pork for those who don't know. 
So I'm just picking on my pork eaters. Luke 21, 1 through 4 is the perfect illustration of giving when it hurts. You find in this story, this widow, there's so many stories tied up in this one little scripture. You find in this story a widow who, who, who gave her final two coins. Let me tell you the significance of this. At the temple, there were seven buckets you would give. Two of the buckets were for uh, tabernacle taxes and stuff like that. The others were free will. This sister, this widow, gave her last two coins free will, not taxes. It was free will, her last two coins. And Jesus is sitting there watching and observing, and he's saying, in essence, now that's giving when it hurts. You know why it hurt this woman? Her provider is dead. Who was her provider at the time? Her hubby. Her hubby. What jobs during this period of time were available for most women? Not a lot of options. Not a lot of options. She don't have a, a, a big old account stored up at Bank of America. Huh? She don't have dividends and all of this stuff. She got two small coins. And she says, I'm going to trust God with these two. It's going to hurt like hell, but I'm going to give it in the free will bucket, not the required tax bucket. No greater example than this widow of giving when it hurts. Third point, how do we demonstrate this authentic love? By devoting energy to others' welfare instead of our own. Devoting energy energy to others' welfare instead of our own. I love this quote that I heard just the other day from Dr. Cornell West and Tavis Smiley. They were on their show, and it was such a, a, a great point. I said, it's perfect to what we're talking about. Dr. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, power without love is reckless and abusive. And love without power is sentimental and anemic. Power at its best, watch this, power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice. And this is my favorite part. And justice at its best is power correcting everything that would stand against love. Justice is correcting everything that would stand against me loving my neighbor, against me loving my family, against me loving those close to me and not so close to me, loving everybody. Justice is what stands, is, is standing up and correcting what tries to come against that love. What a powerful statement that this great man of God made during a time when we were segregated. And he's saying, I'm not standing up here because we're segregated. I'm standing up here preaching this because this segregation is in the way of love. It's bigger than your job. It's bigger than the economy. It's, big. it's in the way of love. So this is why I'm speaking. He's saying that there is love. There's power in love. He's saying that love is a powerful thing. My fight is what he's saying in essence is for love. All the other stuff will come together if we can just fight the injustices against love. Powerful statement by the great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And I think it's perfect for 
devoting our energy to others' welfare instead of our own. Instead of clicking and flipping the channel when you see a child missing or an Amber Alert, get on social media and say something about it. You would do it any other reason. Hmm? Instead of flicking the channel and seeing and applauding the efforts of those people who rescue children out of sex slavery, why don't you go volunteer one day out the month, not, not a week, out the month? Better yet, watch this. I'm going to do you I'm gonna do you a solid. One time for the six, out of six months. Just go volunteer one time out of six months and see what you can do to make a difference. Do you all know that Atlanta is a hub for child sex trafficking? It's a hub. This is like the spot. In essence, they like, if you, if you want to, you know, kids cover your ears, but if you want to take advantage of a, of a runaway, Atlanta's a spot to do it. Y'all should be really uncomfortable by that. I am. But we look at the problem as so big, it's like my little effort ain't going to do nothing about it. I got a brother in this room right now that gets up in the middle of the night sometimes if he gets a call to rescue a girl or boy out of trafficking. Puts his life that's putting your life, that's putting the welfare of others before your own. Puts his life on the line to rescue a child that very well may go back to that industry. Puts his life on the line. Come on now. And you can't do it. We got we to do more. Mother Teresa, I mean, let's go to the fourth point. Fourth point is this. How do we do it? One was by helping when it's not convenient. Giving when it hurts was number two. Devoting energy to others' welfare is number three. And here's the fourth and final point. By absorbing the hurts of others. By absorbing the hurts of others. I, I, I take you back to the story of the Good Samaritan. He didn't just walk by and see this brother there and didn't do it. He not only took care of him, right, who, who, and, and bandaged him up, he put him on his donkey he found, like, the closest Marriott and put him in there in a nice cushy room. And then he told the front desk person, he says, tell you what, if the bill runs longer than, than, than I think, I tell you what, on my way back, I'll cover it. Just let him stay here as long as he needs to, to heal. Whatever it takes, I got him. He did this after he bandaged him up. He wasn't a doctor. Doesn't say he was a doctor. He just was a concerned citizen. After he bandaged him up, put him on his donkey, he took care of him. He absorbed, absorbed his hurts in that moment. Mother Teresa, who I really like, she's a very interesting sister, she said this. She says, I have this paradox that if you love until it hurts, there can be no more hurt, only more love. If you love until it hurts, you become numb to the hurt and only have room for more Love, I dare somebody to try that today. Here are some practical things you can do to show this kind of love. This is, and this is so practical, you can be like, oh, man, that's, that's not even that deep. You're not that deep, Pastor. I'm not. But sometimes we need the practical to get to the deep. Here's practical. How can I show this kind of love? Simple. Exchange simple greetings. Exchange simple greetings. Have, has, has everyone in here spoken to everyone in here? Okay, I move on. Share a meal. How many of you invited your, like, your right, the, the person that lives right next to you? How many have, I, have, they, have they ever been into your house? Huh? She's like, yeah, I, I believe her. You know, she's been amen in the whole time. Come on now. Many of us have not had our neighbor over to our crib. 
They don't even know what the inside of your house looks like. They don't know if you can actually cook. They see you grilling, but they don't know if it's done or if you're burning it. Vice versa. How many of you have actually spent time with your neighbor? How many of you invited somebody that you attend service with to lunch or dinner or coffee? Or do you just wait till the next Sunday to see him? Be intentional about it. It's practical. It's really practical. That's why I have game night at the house because I want to see everybody all the time. Plus, I like to whoop on people. You know, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm a beast in taboo. Come on now. Y'all done got me started. Pictionary? Man, can't nobody draw like me. I'm like the Picasso of Pictionary. All right. Okay, let's stop. Meet obvious needs. Meet obvious needs. Somebody says, hey, man, I have a need. Meet it. Be the first responder. Do you know what I mean being the first responder is? Don't wait. Just like, okay, let me do what I can see what I can do. I only got a dollar. Take this for now. I'll be back with some more. Whatever you can do, do it right then, right then and there. I've stopped traffic to fill up uh, the gas tank of a sister in, Pete's on, uh, uh, in, in Midtown on doggone 14th Street and Spring during traffic time. The sister ran out of gas. I pull over. My son is a witness, and I get out, and I'm pushing the car to the gas station. I pull out my car. Here you go, sis. Have a good day. God bless you. Come on. Y'all can do the same thing. I don't do it because I'm a pastor. I wasn't even a pastor at the time. If you got a heart and it beats, doggone it. It's got feelings. Use them. Help somebody. Real love, whether it's love for God or love for each other, doesn't ask, what can you do for me? It asks, what can I do for you? Real love asks, what can I do for you? Let us pray. Eternal and gracious God in heaven, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us at our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others, our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.